0: Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 1030 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit CarrolltonUMC.com. And we hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. It's Mark 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. So in the archives of the Lord Works in Mysterious Ways, and you all know that I don't pick out guests at the church service to, to, to do anything with them. I don't want put, to put a finger on people, but I have a couple friends here today. Uh, and, and who knew that if I preached out of the Gospel of Mark, that my friend Mark would show up, one of the fraternity brothers. And then I had this title of the sermon, Get Ready, prepared a week or so ago, and then come to find out another one of my fraternity brothers and his wife, Iggy is here, and now the coincidence is, God working a mysterious way, this is a song that was sung originally by the Temptations, but it was done by this band Rare Earth, uh, and we used to sing that in our college band at, at school. And so next week, I'm, my sermon, or the next time I preach, my sermon is going to be entitled, You Too Can Have It in the Name of Love. And maybe Bono's going to come to church. You think? But let's really talk about showing up. John the Baptist, he is a different sort of dude. We don't see people like that too much in Scripture, as dialed in as he was. I mean, think about even the disciples. One of the disciples denies Jesus. One betrays him. And then all of them start heading for the hills when Jesus' troubles get really, really bad and don't ever really kind of come back and coalesce until they've witnessed the risen Jesus after the resurrection. So John the Baptist is truly rare earth. You don't have to take my word for it. Well, let me ask you a question about this. Who would you say is the greatest human ever born? Now, if you're Christian, you're going to say, well, it was Jesus Christ. But what would Jesus say if he was asked that question. Well, you might be surprised to know that Jesus attributed that greatness to a single person. And he told the disciples in Luke 7, he said, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist appears in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. He wore clothing made of camel's hair. Sounds kind of itchy. He ate locusts and wild honey. That might be good, but he was certainly rare earth. And this was his message. He says, after me comes one more powerful than I. The straps of his sandals, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I will baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So then Jesus then says of John the Baptist, also in John 7, he says, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed in the wind, meaning to say, you didn't go out to see nothing. You went to see something. Did you go to see a man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes and indulge in luxury are in the palace. In other words, he's saying, they're not out there doing what John the Baptist is doing. That's what Jesus says. But what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, Jesus says, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way before you? If you want to look that up, that's Isaiah 40. Which is the, the same point in the scripture where Jesus then says, after saying all that about John, he says, I tell you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was an amazingly popular figure. It says so in those first verses we read. He's a celebrity. And everyone from the countryside, from Judea, went to go see him. They responded to him. They confessed their sins, and they baptized. So he was not only popular, right, but John was also effective. And a lot of people respond to that sort of popularity and effectiveness with a certain degree of pride and swagger. But from the beginning, John the Baptist was different. I think you may have seen the slogan, right? It's not about me. That's a key component. I love that book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. He says people talk about church. He says church isn't about you. It's about God. And he says this about your life. He says it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's greater than your family, your career, or your wildest dreams and ambition. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, You must begin with God. You were born by God's purpose and for God's purpose. And that's the core of John the Baptist's message. He preached about someone else who was coming after him who was greater than him and who was the purpose and the driving force of the message that John the Baptist was preaching. He wasn't interested in the limelight. He wasn't interested in the praise or admiration of others. He was interested in preparing the way for Jesus And he didn't let personal ambition get in the way of him doing his job well, all the way to being arrested, and eventually to his martyrdom. For those who John the Baptist baptized, they marked a confession in public about their sinfulness. Now let me ask you a question, why would anybody do that? Come out in public and say I'm a sinner, and here's why. When we admit Sin, we are laying aside our human pride and confessing the truth about ourselves. As Christians, we do that without confessing blindly because we know we have a God who says, I'm for you and I'm not against you. I'm not a vindictive, overbearing God. And Scripture tells us that when we confess in that way, that's when Paul tells us we become a new person in Jesus. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for if anyone is in Jesus, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And so here it is, and that's excellent. But that is just the start, at least insofar as our lives on this earth are concerned. Because actually living into being that new person in Jesus, entering that new life, turning over that new leaf, is the next giant step, and that is a major step. humility, the kind of humility that Jesus displayed, becoming human and dying on the cross for us. John's ministry, we just saw, was a ministry of humility as well. Confession is also about humility. You're seeing a pattern here. If you are going to be truly humble before God, you have to embrace. You can't just say this stuff, but you have to truly embrace, acknowledge, and do the best you can to understand that your faith, your life, your service in the church, your job, your family, your resources, your marriage, your free time, your health, your thoughts, every breath you take, it's not about you. It's all about god in our historically self-absorbed world this is the type of humility that we're called to exude and it is indeed in our experience pretty rare earth now here is a practical aspect of this here's how you can tell if you aren't at that level of humility at any part of your life If you find it difficult or impossible to directly involve God in what you are doing or feeling, that activity or thought has become about you. Now you can easily imagine some examples of this being distracted or disturbed or interrupted in your walk with God. Like, Like if you were committing a horrible crime, you wouldn't say, yeah, God was there as my wingman. But our real challenge is to point up in our lives where we have more delicately removed God from the equation. Like when we suddenly enter into a fit of rage, or when we find ourselves taking credit for something good, when we know that everything that is good has all the credit due to God. Or when we're so immersed in self-indulgence that we forget to call God into the room. People who know me well know that I can be that way about food something that holds some serious sway on me. I love me some food. But thank goodness for the opportunity to say a blessing before the meal and to have a meal with Christian friends or I might forget God for an entire meal. And you say, well, that's insignificant. But to me, it's no different than leaving God out or worse, pushing God out of the picture for any activity or thought process. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this period of Advent leading up to Christmas is preparing ourselves not for the death of Jesus Christ but for the birth of Jesus and for the whole life of Jesus Christ. Andrew did shuffle the pages. Oh. (laughs) I knew what I was going to say. But preparing ourselves at Advent means this. It means refocusing ourselves, our thoughts, ensuring that in every thought that we think, every word that we speak, every deed that we do, we're asking God in advance, what would Jesus do? In other words, saying to God, look, God, this is about you. What would you have me think? What would you have me say? God, what would you have me do? Only 15 days till Christmas. Get ready. Let us pray. God, you give us opportunities in our lives where you completely paint a frame around a period of time and experience. Lord, will you give us the opportunity to dial into you. And Lord, this is that time at Advent, Give us the strength, the courage, the humility in the middle of this time in preparation for the big celebration, Lord. To humble ourselves, to be your child, to allow you to be our father so that we can listen to you and move into your presence and into your will instead of our own. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen.